All right. Well, welcome everybody to Capital City Christian Church podcast and to our roundtable conversation this week. Josh and I are excited to be joined uh, by Stan Rada. Stan is a pastor out in the Washington, D.C. area. He is the founder of 4Gen, a discipleship-making movement, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And probably his greatest claim to fame is he is my brother-in-law. Is that not is <laughs> that, that accurate? That is. That is accurate. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, of course. Hey, um, why don't you uh, start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, a little bit about uh, your family, your history and ministry, and, and what you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, long, long history in ministry, uh, fourth generation pastor, kind of grew up in the church, um, Bible college in, uh, at Central, mm-hmm. Moberly, Missouri. Uh, that's where I met my wife, who was actually my recruiter. She recruited me. That's a, that's a, that story gets really awkward. Really. <laughs> uh, how did that work out? You know? Um, so, uh, met my wife at, uh, Bible college, um, got married, graduated in 2002, and uh, we started a family, started full-time ministry together, um, and have been doing full-time ministry ever since. I've done some uh, preaching ministry, senior ministry stuff, and then currently in um, outside of D.C., I'm a uh, campus pastor at a, a multi-site church and have been doing that for um, 11 years. So, Cool. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. So uh, tell us about the journey that led you to Forging. Oh, man. Um yeah, so there's there's a bunch with that. Um, there's there's multiple pieces of forging. So the kind of the way I got there, there was a couple of elements. One was um, kind of a I would say a a difficult ministry season in my mid to late twenties. Um, a ministry that just kind of left my wife and I beaten up pretty well and um, debated quitting ministry as a result of that. Like it was, it was not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, went through that, got through it, um, had some mentors who, uh, kind of came alongside of us, um, ministered us, helped to keep us in ministry, helped keep me in ministry. Um, and so that's actually one element of, um, Forge that we can talk about in a little bit, part of that that comes out of it. Uh, the big piece that comes out of Forgen is the is the disciple making piece, uh, and the disciple making piece. Kind of how I've gotten there is, I, I mean, I, at least in my experience, it feels like this. It feels like everybody in ministry wants to make disciples. Like we look at the Great Commission, we look at Matthew twenty eight. We all want to do that, mm-hmm. but the reality is we we don't know how. Like we don't we don't even know what it looks like. We don't know. We don't have clear definitions for it. So. Um, if you were to ask many leadership teams at churches across the country, what's a disciple? I mean, however many people are in the room is probably the number of definitions you're going to get. And so for a long time, I've struggled uh, in ministry with kind of the idea that um, everything was so much about Sunday morning that the disciple had to be somebody who had really good attendance. Um, They showed up and maybe they gave a little bit of time to serve on a team and if our service, if our program was really good that day, they leave us a nice tip at the end of the service. <laughs> and that was all, that, I mean, that was about the best we got. Like, mm-hmm. well, the numbers are there. They're showing up on Sunday. They're giving. So these certain metrics are going up and to the right. Um, and then if you get a baptism or two in there over the course of the year, like, man, you're, you are killing it, you know? <laughs> and um, something about that never um, didn't really sit well with me. I just didn't know what to do about it. Like, I didn't know how to change it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Um, I just knew I was... I was frustrated with it. I, I didn't like what we were doing. Sure. Um, so then about four years ago, um, where I'm at now at New Life, we connected with 
um, a few different people. One, a guy by the name of Jeff McDaniel, um, another guy by the name of Bill Smith, and uh, a movement leader out of China by the name of Ying Kai. Um, these guys kind of came alongside of us, took us under their wing, and uh, began to disciple us. Hmm. Um, so we started to have a little bit more clarity. Our staff spent time just reading through the New Testament. Um, we would just read through and we would ask one question every single week. What does this tell us about disciple making? What's this tell us about being a disciple? And we just asked that every single week and just kept going and going, read the whole New Testament. Took years to walk through that study mm -hmm. and just pick the whole thing apart. Um, and then these other guys came alongside of us and said, okay, you're, here's how far you are in the process. Now here's some of the pieces you're missing. Like here's the, the definition you're missing or here's a tool you're missing or here's a... And so then they kind of came alongside of us and started handing stuff off to us. So over the last four years, we've been being discipled, hmm. um, which has led over the last six months to me uh, basically cataloging a lot of what we're learning and then beginning to do that myself with people that I know, discipling them in this stuff. And then that's kind of spreading from there, which led to conversations with other churches saying, what are you doing? How did you do that? What's happening? And then Forgen was kind of born out of that saying, there's a need for this kind of training. Churches are missing it. Mm -hmm. We've got Sunday morning down. We can program, we can lights, we can fog machine, we can music. <laughs> But can we make disciples? And mm -hmm. so that's where Forgen really is is coming from. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So explain to um, those listening, what is Forgen? Yeah. What, what does Forgen mean? Yeah. Um, what's that? What's that term? And and why does it matter um, to the church today? Um, well, yeah. Uh, Forgen stands for four generations. It comes from the the concept, the example that we see in Second Timothy two two. So the Apostle Paul is writing to his disciple Timothy. He says, entrust these things to reliable men and to others who will be faithful also. And so in one verse, you have four generations of disciples. You have Paul to Timothy to faithful men to others who are reliable. And so the concept came from that. The way we get to movement is people who disciple more, people who disciple more. It's the, that's how you get to the movement piece. And so the idea was, let's talk about making disciples to the fourth generation. So Forgen became an organization that wants to help you do that. We want to help you make disciples to the fourth generation. Um, why it matters, I think, goes back to a little bit about what I was just saying. I, I think the American church is doing really well with the Sunday morning program. Like, we have that down. We can, we can program that. We can, right. we can, and this is going to sound bad. I don't mean this as cynical as it sounds. We can manipulate the emotion of people on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. we, we know how to dim the lights at the right time. We know how mm -hmm. to send the fog machine and what color lights to use. And mm -hmm. we, we know all that. Like, sure. we can do that. Um, but what we're missing is practical, simple reproducible tools in the lives of people that actually spread to everybody they know outside of Sunday, morning. outside of Sunday morning right. into the, into the neighborhood. So when you read, when you read the new Testament and you see how the church there, it, at least when I read the new Testament, I don't read about how a church impacted a building on Sunday morning. I read how it infected and like spread throughout all of society. Like everybody knew mm -hmm. Um, Christians were accepted by the entire community because of how people heard it. By the 300s, half mm -hmm. the Roman Empire was right. Christian. Mm -hmm. 30 million of the 60 million in the empire were, were believers. They, they, they converted the Roman emperor. Like, I mean, it just took over every area. It wasn't just uh, one time a week. For this one hour, the church right. is X. It was everyday life. It was house churches. It was marketplaces. It was temple courts. It, was, it just it went everywhere. 
And so I think a lot of what we're missing and why I think what we're doing with Forge is important is because we're coming alongside and saying the mission to make disciples is possible. It's being done. It can be done. It's working in the world and it can work in the United States. We want to help people do that so we see a movement of disciple making happen in in the West. Yeah, you said you said um, something about what for what, what does Forgen offer um, yeah. as an organization to help that cause. So, what what are some things that Forgen is doing? So, like for instance, one of the things we do is um, we train in a couple of primary tools. The first primary tool we train in is something called the Eight Commands of Christ, where we walk through uh, an eight week cohort with people. Um, and we train them basically through the Great Commission. What it means, we start, um, we start with um, verse 18, which I think is super important, um, talking about all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So we start with the authority of Christ, and then we train for the next seven weeks basically how to follow suit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's eight weeks spent training through the Great Commission, which is a, a huge thing. Um, and then another tool that we do some training in is called uh, the Master Plan of Surrender, Um, And that's really just the first, primarily it's just the first four weeks of the eight commands. Um, But that's, that to me, those first four are kind of the foundation of your disciple making movement. So we would train people in things like how to read the Bible, how to pray, primarily in those things, not just how to read through or how to talk, but how to hear God's voice in that moment in, in scripture and in prayer, how to discern what God is saying and then act on that. So it's learning how to read scripture, learning how to pray, train people how to do that. Um, and, and for whatever it's worth on maybe a separate note, but the, the concept of the church doing a lot of the teaching is also an issue because as the church does more teaching, then they become the, uh, they become seen as the, uh, the professional who has all the answers. So everybody has to come back to them for the answer. What, what we're doing is different in that we are training people how to do the stuff so that they can run with it. Mm-hmm. So it's pushing the other way. It's not mm-hmm. come in here and let us teach you. So it's a different dynamic. Um, but training in scripture reading and prayer. And then the other two are training in um, three chairs, which is a story share tool. It's mm-hmm. how, to, how to tell your story, what, what's God doing in your life. Mm-hmm. And then the three circles, which is a gospel share tool. Um, and we train people how to share the gospel in two to three minutes at a in a Starbucks or in, in line at a Chick-fil-A right. or whatever, mm-hmm. which not, not, right not, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you can yell out your you, car window. You can yell out your car window. But those four things, uh, when it comes to forging, we would say that the, the basics that every disciple of Jesus needs to have is they all need to be able to have an abiding, quiet time with, with God, Scripture and prayer, right. and they all need to be able to tell someone what God is doing in their life and share the gospel with them. And that to us is the basics of a disciple. Mm-hmm. So those are the, those are the basic yeah. tools we, that yeah. we train in and um, practice. Yeah. Now, um, Josh and I have, we have some personal experience because Josh and I, along with a couple other people on our yeah. staff, walk through the eight commands of Christ with you in, yep. a, in a cohort. Um, and it was awesome. Um, we, through that, we even shared with our church community about three chairs and challenged them, you know, with that. But is, is for Gen and these training things, are they for, are they for church leaders, for pastors, for lay people, for anybody? Like how does, what's... Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we had the privilege of going through this. And even as professionals, as you'd say, <laughs> in, in yeah. the industry, yeah. it was still very challenging. And, yeah. but was on a, on a simplicity level that was easy to understand and easy to grasp. And it was kind of eye-opening to the ideas that 
you know, even as professionals, sure. like we just need to get back to the foundation of this and get back to yeah. why we're doing what we're doing. And, um, yeah. so yeah, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I think to that point specifically, we've, um, we've overcomplicated church and mm-hmm. mission. Um, it's become in many ways, it's become a playground for, um, for a lot of guys with ego. It's mm-hmm. become uh, a playground for people who just want to kind of put their stamp on it and they want to be known and they want the book deal and they want the whatever. And it's kind of become this whole other thing. And uh, part of the reason why the stuff was challenging, but was so simple is because a lot of what we talk about through the whole process is this concept of obedience based discipleship. The Mm -hmm. idea is that we already know a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. We already know a bunch, like Mm -hmm. most of the people listening to this have probably heard somewhere along the way, how to read the Bible or how to pray. Right. Like they know it in their head, mm-hmm. but then the practical part of actually being obedient and doing it mm-hmm. is a whole different thing. So that's where it gets challenging, but it's simple. You hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. we should be able to do that, right? Right. So the, the whole concept behind that is to train other people. And it has to, in order to multiply beyond me, it has to be simple enough to actually multiply. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, an, I'm in a busy area of the country. Northern Virginia is not, not a relaxed part of the country. A <laughs> uh, lot of government mm-hmm. employees, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Secret Service and Pentagon and all these types of people. Um, and so if I have Secret Service at my campus that I lead and I'm hoping that they will make disciples... <laughs> It has to be something simple enough that they can do while on the job or in a way that allows them to do it while on the job. They can't, there can't be a discipleship pathway that's, you know, hey, come and sit down and listen to my 21 hours and lessons worth of whatever or mm-hmm. come and hear the stuff at my church with my preacher and my whatever. They don't have that kind of time. They're working 60 hours a week and their wives and kids or families don't even know until the Friday when they get their schedule if they're going to be gone for two weeks or not. Right. So there's no, there is no room for that. Mm-hmm. So it has to be done in a way that says, how can the everyday believer be obedient to the voice of God and make disciples right where they are? Mm-hmm. And that's what this does. Mm-hmm. And so to your question, Joseph, um, it's for everybody. I mean, pastors, ministers, professionals, clergy, whatever, laity, the lay person, the everyday person, it doesn't matter. Um, the concept behind it is this is, we want to help you make disciples to the fourth generation, and that is the mission for all disciples of Jesus, no matter where they find themselves in the hierarchy of, right. <laughs> of the church. So, yeah, anybody can take advantage of, of this stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe you can tell us a little more about your key convictions in discipleship. Oh, man. Boil them down. To- Boil them down. <laughs> Just a few, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, I... I think I think one of my key convictions is really kind of this concept of the church has has almost become too complicated to the point where we have taken away the ability for people to play in the ministry, like be a part of the mission of Jesus. So when Jesus comes down and lives for these years and he walks with guys in ministry and he allows them to run with stuff, there was something different about the way he did that versus come come to me and see. So he spends some time training them, and then by Luke 10, he sends them all out, um, tells them to go preach, tells them to go do ministry, sends them out. And, and some estimates have those guys being gone as long as six months as they're traveling, could, could be longer. I mean, it was a good chunk of time. 
they're gone for six months, nine months, whatever. They're traveling. They're, and, and it's amazing. Jesus has already given them authority. So they leave and they're, they're casting out demons. They're healing the sick. They're raising the dead. They're, I mean, they're doing all of this mm-hmm. stuff, the Bible says. So it wasn't just Jesus. Like mm-hmm. he gave the disciples the authority to do that. <laughs> and Jesus lets them participate in the mission that way. Um, they come back. They give feedback. He asks questions. Uh, he says, what went well? What didn't? And they're like, well, we did this. And sometimes we did well. And sometimes we didn't. And Jesus is like, well, I saw Satan falling out of the sky. Like, you guys are out there killing it. You know? <laughs> um, and that's really cool. So one of my key convictions with it really is, uh, really just comes down to we've, we've got to engage the entire body of Christ in the mission. Mm-hmm. We cannot continue to play this game where... I'm the professional. I have the degree. Come to my place on Sunday morning and hear what I have to say. We, the more we keep doing that, I mean, you can look at the trends and you can look at the trends for the last 50 years. And you can just see it starting to trend the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so the more we keep saying, come to me so I can give you the information and feel like I'm using my Bible college degree or whatever... I, I think we're going to continue to lose the battle. Um, so that's one of my key convictions with it. Um, one of them is just the sense of urgency that if if hell is real, and we would say that it is, and lost people are going there, then I will stand before God someday and be judged for whether or not I engage the mission or played church on Sunday, for lack of a better way of saying it. Like, I have a really strong conviction about that, that it's not just about those two to three hours on Sunday morning. There is a mission to engage. I mean, we spend six-sevenths of our week outside the church building. Mm -hmm. How come we're not engaging that Mm -hmm. arena? Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a a conviction about um, engaging people in the mission. There's a conviction about lost people and um, people going into eternity without God. Uh, and those are, those are, I would say, probably at the core mm-hmm. of a lot of this. So that's where a lot of my sense of urgency comes from for how do I train as many people as possible? How sure. do I get the word out? How right. do I? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where a lot of it comes from. Yeah. So. If, you were, if you were to talk to somebody who's listening right now and they're like, okay, yeah, I, I got to start making some disciples mm-hmm. and that it is my job. And what are, what are just some very basic practical things you would encourage them with as they are trying to minister in their own spheres of influence right where they are. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would encourage them to do is I would encourage them to enter a season of, um, prayer and potentially fasting. Um, I would take a good chunk of time and do that really invest some, some time in, in praying some scary type prayers Mm -hmm. like God, use me, um, make me obedient to you where there's, there's a, there could be a whole thing here said about, um, how many things we really need to repent over. Um, one of the things that's been the most convicting to me recently was, um, the, the definition of confession, um, and the idea that confession is me telling God what I believe truth is, but it's actually a lie about God. So when I confess something to God, I'm saying, God, this is a lie that I believe about you. God, I trust my money more than I trust you because I believe you will not care for me mm-hmm. is a truthful confession. That mm-hmm. is way deeper than we normally go. And I think uh, for a lot of believers, it's a matter of a season of repentance and confession. It's a mm-hmm. season of prayer and fasting. Practically after that, I think it's a matter of of listing names. I mean, I would start <laughs> by just saying, who are the people closest to me? Does my wife know Jesus? Does mm-hmm. my husband know Jesus? Do my kids know Jesus? What about my grandkids? What about my cousins what about my neighbors like how many look around maybe you live in a 
a certain type of neighborhood and you've got 20 houses around you, how many of those 20 houses do you know someone's name? Could you list the names of every one of your neighbors? Do you know who they are, what they need, what they're about, where they came here from? Um, Do you know them or not? And if you don't know them, that's a good convicting place to start and say, I need to take my dog on a walk and, and you know, introduce <laughs> bump myself, into bump into somebody. I've got to intentionally engage. Like Jesus sent people out to villages to go and search for what we would call the, the house of peace search or the person of peace. So the idea would be out of my 20 neighbors, do I have one? Is there one guy, Gary, Joan, someone who would hear me share a little bit and say, I would be interested to know more. Can I find one person who's interested in hearing about what God's up to in my life? So I think a lot of it starts with the, the prayer and fasting piece. Then it moves to a really practical piece of listing some names, mm-hmm. praying for those names, praying for God to go before you in the conversation, mm-hmm. to give you the opportunity. And then part of the reason we train in tools is so that people feel confident that when the opportunity arises, they are confident and competent in the tool. Because part of why people don't share is they don't think they know how. They sure. won't have mm-hmm. the right answer. They won't know what to say. So there's a lot of believers that are convicted they should, but they have no idea what to do, like Mm -hmm. what to say when it actually comes up. Um, And so that's part of where the tool stuff comes in is so that whenever they are having that conversation with Gary, the neighbor, and he (laughs) says, well, why do you believe in God anyway? At least I have a starting point of somewhere to go. How would you, well, if somebody's asking, okay, that's where I'm at staying right now, how do I get (laughs) confident and competent? And get over the fear. Because the the fear. The the fear thing I would say is... um, there's no way around the fear but through it. Mm-hmm. Like whenever mm-hmm. you, whenever just go back and read the book of Acts and mm-hmm. read it with a, read it through the lens of the word boldness or the word bold. Mm-hmm. And every time you come across boldness or the word, uh, highlight it, underline it, and just do a study on bold in the in the book of Acts. And what you'll find is that every single time they were bold, they weren't necessarily. You can pray for boldness or you can pray for the ability to get through the fear, but what made them bold was not any of that. What made them bold was that they were obedient regardless of the fear. Mm -hmm. The boldness was always an end result. So the idea of like the fear piece is really just a... It's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. That's always there. It happens, you know, even Mm -hmm. after years of... um, of doing a lot of this, it still happens to me too. When you're trying to strike up a conversation at Panera or mm-hmm. Starbucks or whatever, it's mm-hmm. still nerve wracking that mm-hmm. first time out. Cause you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say on the fear front, you, it's about obedience. It's about the authority of, of King Jesus. You are obedient to him cause you are not the master. Right. So you just go forward no matter how scared you are mm-hmm. and you let God do his thing, but you have to be obedient. So I would say that. And then um, your question about the confidence and competence, like how do I get there? I, I think I think one of the outside biggest of things. Outside Well, <laughs> yeah, outside of Fortune, I would say a lot of it is going to be coming down to um, either discovering a tool on online. So, like for instance, we would train uh, the Gospel of Three Circles. There's um, you know people have known um, uh, the bridge illustration for mm-hmm. decades. We've taught that sure. in the church. If they know that actually being bold with the bridge and using it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the idea would be, okay, so if, if you guys are just a couple of guys at the church and you have the stuff, but you don't, the idea is going to be, I've got to engage in community. So when the church stands up on Sunday and says, hey, if you want to take a next step in faith, if you want to grow, if you want to see what God really can do, if you want to, you need to be in community. That's not a joke. That's mm-hmm. not a, well, right. we just need to boost a number. That's like a legitimate, no, there's something happening in community. So at that point, I'm trying to connect as many people as I can to 
a community group or training opportunity or something where somebody has the information and can train me practically how to do it. Right. Um, that's why we can't do the whole faith thing alone. That's right. You I can't mean. do faith alone. Yeah, that's yeah. it's almost impossible to do that. There might be a few super extroverted people that can just go out there and kind of figure it out. And sure. But that, that number is so small of who's yeah. actually going to do that. What would really help people would be to engage with another group of people, say say four or five people, who are actually walking the path. Um, and so, for instance, when I've, I've done this with my prayer team at the campus I lead, I've done this with our disciples, uh, we will walk my neighborhood and we will do neighborhood prayer walks. And in those walks, as we're praying for the neighborhood, for safety for kids, we've stopped and prayed for police officers, start conversations, saw a lady in her garage, stopped, got to know her, said, hey, how can we pray for you? And it's crazy what happens. God does really crazy things in those moments. You know, she comes out of her garage and says, I've been praying for my son for years. He's not a believer. And, you know, we link up and we're praying with this woman now. What that does is it gives you connections in the community, but it allows the the believer, the everyday person to actually live out, mm-hmm. you know, what we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a huge part of it is, is getting into community with other people that are doing it mm-hmm. um, and then multiplying it out from there. There's a whole bunch that comes with that, but I think community is huge, doing yeah. it with people that are actively engaged so it sounded like tools in your tool belt (laughs) yep and a team to do it with people to do it yep Mm -hmm. cool absolutely cool Cool. well listen we are um, thankful for your willingness to share a little bit with us today um tell us how can how can people connect with you if they want to know more about four gen if they have more questions if they want to connect somehow to what you're doing what's the way that people can learn more uh so the the website is fourgen.org. it's all spelled out f-o-u-r-g-e-n.org um, so contact information is there. Um, some of the tools and training that we've already done are there. If you want to get engaged or connect with one of the upcoming cohorts, I think I have five, five scheduled for 2021. Um, so you could register and jump in on one of those. Those are all virtual, um, right? Those are all virtual. All yep. People all over. We're uh, training people as far as the UK right now. And, um, somebody from the Philippines that wants in in January. And so we're, we're training a lot of people. So it's all via zoom, jump in from wherever, um, yeah, but I would say forgen.org is the place to go. Blog, tools, some training videos, contact form, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. I would go there. Okay, awesome. Yeah, awesome. man. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on the Capital City Christian Podcast Roundtable Conversation. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.